the notes and I saw I saw a tick face. I, I Googled it to see if there was another platform up there. <laughs> but it, 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 it is... Um... Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 27th of May. It's a holiday weekend here. I hope you've had a great week. And you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but with this podcast, I want to share the marketing street knowledge I've picked up on my journey from techie to CMO with the help of some true rock stars, my guests and chums, old and new, to inspire the marketing rock star in you. You can find links to me, the guests, and all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com, along with our street knowledge blog and newsletter, and we are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark turns the tables and asks me about content marketing. We return to CMSY's State of the CMO report with their VP of Research, Sarah Kimmel, and Robert Rose shares a cocktail and a marketing thought in a Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, The Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge from our resident rockstar CMO strategy advisor and former Forrester Research Director. Welcome in to the Rockstar Studio. How are you doing Thank today? You. I'm doing all right, mate. Thank you very much for inviting me in. Yeah, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great to have you in your studio, or is my studio. Um, but I'm really looking forward to today because we've got a new format. We are turning the turntable on Ian and we're going to be, <laughs> I am going to be prompting you to cover the five fundamentals of content marketing. Um, and just so that the listeners know that in our studio, we do not have any turntables. Uh, so <laughs> this is all digital. And, um, so before I get into the turning the tables on you, I just want to say, you know, how's the weather? Because we got to cover the weather. Oh, see, you're a perfect host. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's been a lovely day today. Bright sunshine. My my one of my daughters is actually in the garden enjoying the last of it this evening. And uh, yes, it's very nice. What about you in Massachusetts? It is. It is a very cool mornings, but it's uh, mm. beautiful sunny weather. We've actually had some really. We had a couple of cold snaps that have wow. that have killed our peach our peach uh, um, no. fruit. Yeah, and not that I personally, but we have a lot of uh, orchards around yeah, here, yeah. and yeah, peaches and apples are taking a hit right now. So, uh, wow. but it's it's sunny, <laughs> but and our gar- our garden's <laughs> doing well. So, no. hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, we've had a lot. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain and sunshine, which is always good for the garden. So it's looking absolutely, the absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. be, we're turning yes. the tables on you because you're you're the content marketing guru or the maven or whatever we want to call it, <laughs> and you have applied the five fundamental framework to your favorite topic of content marketing. So, yeah. um, so uh, you know, we I think as I as I as we've been working on building out our five F and fundamentals of marketing, this mm-hmm. this slots under the the higher level of telling your story. Uh, and at some point we'll go down the rabbit hole of connecting this to the, all the fundamentals out there. But I think right now it's time to time to focus in on content marketing. So if you're ready, where, where should we, or really where should our listeners start when they're thinking about their content marketing strategy? Thanks, Jeff. That's a nice introduction. And it's weird having it turned around this way. Cause I do, I, I mean, you are normally the brains of this particular section. I can see you're starting to sweat. 
<laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm sitting in the hot seat for sure. Uh, so the first, my, the first of my five effing marketing fundamentals on content marketing is know the why. So th- that's what, it's actually one of the most important lessons I learned when I was establishing my marketing career. And um, Robert Rose, who's a regular on the show, was one of my early uh, mentors. And, um, and it's especially important with something like this is to ask your why. And the reason why, if you're going to venture into content marketing, which is still, even though it's been around for a while, a, a discipline that's not well known amongst the C-suite. I don't know if you'd agree or disagree with that, Jeff. I would agree. But some, yeah, someone will ask you, someone will ask you, why do you need to start, start saying this? Uh, why, why, if you start banding around terms like content marketing, somebody's going to say, why are we doing this? Why do we want to do this? And I think the main part of the knowing your why is you need to start thinking like a media company or like a publisher, that uh, you need to start to understand what the why about your audience and your content, because you're not selling products. So why is it that you're doing this? What, what are your, what's your purpose? The thing we always talk about, Jeff, which is goals, right? So, um, and it's not going to be because you want to be on tick face because some executive wants more video or that, you know, it, there's some kind, we, we talk about the executive management by in-flight magazine. I think the more, more <laughs> yeah, yes. it's probably, <laughs> yeah. it's probably, it's probably yeah. the version that's, that is like and, something your CEO read on Facebook yeah, or really. something. But, and where have those in-flight you know, magazines gone? I really miss them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, we're probably the only ones who say that about Martin these days. We're going to have to think of a new analogy. But, the, but what I'm saying is, is your why needs to be rooted in your goals. And you know me, the goals I'm always fucking banging on about is awareness, revenue and trust. So if you're going to do content marketing why are you doing it and how does it feed up to your awareness revenue and trust and what are the goals you want this program to achieve and how are you going to measure them so that's the why why are you doing this it isn't about channel it's about something that's going to impact awareness revenue and trust i have to say when i first looked at the notes and i saw i saw tick face <laughs> i i googled it to see if there was another platform up there <laughs> but it, it 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 is um one of the things that this reminds me of is that often, um, you know, executives can be like four-year-olds and just saying, why? <laughs> so it's like, well, we want to do this. Why? And, and, yeah. uh, and you know, there's, they've gotten into the, the habit of trying to trip people up by, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't, yeah. I don't, don't know why. But I, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I do think this is something we, you know, you can't reinforce enough is that your goals, you know, the strategy of the company, the goals of the marketing organization, those should be the things that drive the purpose for doing anything. So if you're say we got to go do content marketing, then it's got to roll back up to Absolutely. what you're trying to accomplish. Because um, yeah. content marketing is going to support campaigns, you know, social, Absolutely. you know, awareness. It's the whole, the whole batch. Yeah, yeah. But it also, I mean, if you know your why, then it also ring fences you against the sort of the sort of distraction we refer to, which is the, the in-flight magazine or the modern version of the in-flight magazine, which is, you know, why, why don't you do this? Why aren't you on TickFace or why aren't you doing Pinterest or whatever it is? You can say, well, it doesn't match my why. This isn't going to help us with our objectives. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's where I... Which I think this, this so you got to know the why. And I think um, it, this is starting to sound like a newspaper reporter because we're going we're gonna to go down the, the, the W's, right? <laughs> why? <laughs> I think we go, the next one gets into another one of the W's. <laughs> Um, and so where, where do we go next? So the second one is know who they are and what they want. So if you're thinking about your audience is who are they and what do they want? And the, what do they want bit is really important because your content marketing strategy is about supporting their needs. So, and, and I'll get onto this in a second about being useful and all that good stuff. Right. So if you know anything about content marketing, it's about, it's not about you, your products and services. They don't give a shit about that stuff. What they care about is how do they solve their problem and how are you useful to them? So you need to consider the audience and what, who your content is for, but not just thinking about your buyers. Again, we're moving out of that. We're thinking like publishers. We need to think about a broader audience of, of who are the influencers in the industry? Who is likely to share your content? Who's going to be the spreaders and the sneezers, as Seth Godin would say, for this content? And who's and the other thing is, is who who influences your buyers internally? So who might consume this content and then take it to their boss and say, "Hey, we need one of these things." Um, and that's really about considering their pain points, their needs, their personal goals as well. And one of the things I've, I, I'm really getting into at the moment is one of the personal goals a lot of people, a lot of buyers have now 
is a fear of fucking up, right? They're, they're more worried about ta- making a decision and that decision then to backfire on them. So how do you educate your buyer that they're not going to fuck up? And if they do, you know, it's going to be fine. <laughs> not if they do, it's going to be fine. Just it's going to be yeah. fine, right? <laughs> yeah. so, and, and it may be also that so some of these topics that you need to talk about might be sort of adjacent to your 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 product and service. So it might be that we'll be talking about you know, how you buy software or how do, what, what's the pain that you're solving? So you need to understand that broader customer journey. And it may be that your product is new in market. There needs to be some education. So it's really about knowing who they are and what they want. This, you know, this, this, as you're talking about this ties to one of our other top uh, F and fundamentals, which is what we, we brand as the knowledge, but it's basically doing the market research to understand who your prospects are, what they what they live, breathe, eat, you know, on a on a daily yeah, basis yeah. as it relates to their business. And what's interesting about you know, you talk about the fear of you know fucking up is that the is it you know it seems as though um, that people in business are getting more risk adverse. You know, perhaps it's yes. because Especially they've been branded world. with greenwashing, or they something blew up on Twitter about their product yeah. or their service, or and and so you know it's like walking on eggshells and so mm. helping them uh avoid those pitfalls may make them you know yeah. go out and take the risks again yeah absolutely and also one of the things about um who they are and what they want you've you're trying to just dis- you're trying to discover your place in their content consumption life if you like right yeah so you need to also think about what are you right now to solve that problem that they may have that you may have identified so you know not only who they are and what they want but as to, to your point about understanding the customer journey that we've talked about in previous episodes you know where where do they go where where do they hang out where where do they get, yeah. get content from currently right so yep so yes so we know the why, why mm-hmm. we're doing this content marketing. We know who we're going to be talking to, our audience, and what they, they want. So yeah. now that we know that, what do we do for them? Well, this slides straight into number three for me. And it could sort of combine a little bit with, with number two. But number two is really the discovery. Number three is about being useful. So, And I think if I was limited to one effing fundamental for content marketing, I would choose this one. And there are books on this topic, right? I'm not particularly you know revolutionary by telling people that they need to be useful right um as i said earlier on um you know twisting the steve jobs quote about people not giving shit about your products and services buyers don't care about your content either they can they care about content that will help them solve their problem they're not necessarily interested in your features and functions in the early stage they're not interested in how you're leading or how you're innovative what they're interested in how how are you uniquely positioned to solve their problem and that is the same for their content as much as it is for your products right and the other thing is you need to be consistent and present they need to know that you're going to be there and that's also i put that in the useful bit because i think that so many of um content marketing initiatives sort of die on the vine after three blog posts or six podcast episodes there's loads of stats around that shit right so you in order to be useful you need to be there and you need to be findable and you need to know where they need to know where to find you when they have the problem so i would say number three be useful but think about how not only what you're going to say in your usefulness but how are you going to be there for that to be useful yeah yeah you know it this makes me think that the i mean the customer is in constant uh, research and learning mode and we often talk about you know on a buyer journey research is up at the front but it's like really as as they go through the whole process even you know they get you know they get your product or service they've implemented you know they have successes they have issues they were mm. There's always this this need for understanding how to you know how to solve their problem, yeah. how to address their need, and uh, and um, you know and things change in companies, so the needs change, take mm. different forms. Mm. So I think this is uh, this is one of those things that you, the the marketer should be thinking. There's there are points to be useful about all along a particular customer's journey. Yeah, exactly. And that was a tricky thing about preparing for this conversation with you, Jeff, because I pretty much could talk for an hour and a half and every single one of these things, right? So I was trying to be succinct, but you're absolutely right. That usefulness varies along the customer journey. So it might be, as I was saying earlier on, the awareness phase, it's going to be about maybe you need to do some education about how you 
you know, that yeah. there is a problem and that it's a solvable problem. And, and then obviously later on, people are going to want to know pricing and features and functions. And you've got yeah. to have that mapped out. Yeah, so absolutely. So we got to know the why, mm-hmm. why we're doing this mark- content marketing, but who our audience is, what they want. We got to be useful now that we know that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what should we, what should we be thinking about next? Well, then, What's number four? Well, this is a bit related to what I was saying about um, knowing who they are and what they want and then where are they getting that solution from now is, is the why you, right? I think particularly we in B2B have this perception that our buyer is interested in hearing the same story from us as from our competitors and stuff. Not necessarily, right? So, I mean, I was an analyst for a short period of time for, for a year or so, and then I'd get, have to have briefings with, with CMS vendors, and all of them were telling me the same story, basically. And what I wanted to know was what was different about them, what was different about their approach or their point of view or their product or whatever it is. So what, it's the same with this. It's the same with content. Remember, they're swimming in content. They've got no yeah. end of places Absolutely. to find out where the... Where the, where the um, but it might where it might be, or they might even just prompt Chat GPT and give them the five good reasons why they should buy your products, right? Or be interested in your category. So you need to think about what it is that you can uniquely bring to the market, to the content market, as it were, around you know some research maybe that you're, you've uniquely got access to, or maybe you've got some great customer stories that would help another buyer. It doesn't have to be super, you know, unique, 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 but it does need to be more than just the top five reasons why somebody buys your product because all of your competitors already have that shit as well as every other commentator on the category so what is it that you can explain you know this <laughs> for some reason i was thinking as you were talking about yeah. this and mentioning chat gbt i was like yeah. you know you you can't bribe an ai bot like you can <laughs> an, in- an industry analyst us both having been <laughs> on that side of the, the fence but I, I think this is i mean this Ties back to one of the things you you know you mentioned about your yeah. your your essential fundamentals of marketing about building trust yeah. and building trust has got to be you know kind of human to human and even if you're communicating digitally and one of the things I think you know certainly me as somebody who was buying solutions out there mm. when you look at a vendor and you you try to understand you know where did they come from what problems if there's problems you're solving today what were the problems they originally solving that, that yeah. got them into this business which sometimes gives you an idea about yeah. how vendor a might be different than vendor b might be different mm-hmm. than the grill in the market or whatever yeah so you know being able to communicate your you know yourself yeah. your company your your character uh your you know a lot of the squishy things that you know <laughs> we do yeah. as marketers are putting down our vision our mission our character you know, it's yeah, like yeah. those things actually do come important if if you can be consistent about how to communicate them. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing and I should have named this in one of my five is, and it's certainly part of that. Know know your audience is you need to know who you who you're not, um, you know who 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 you are not and who you're not trying to appeal to, and be fine with that because if you take a differentiate position in the market by the very virtue of being different, there are people that are going to not like you. Which is great because the people that do like you will like you a lot more than if you were just in the sea of beige, right? So I think that that why you needs to be some exactly to your point there, Jeff, is some of your personality, some of the DNA, some of why, why is it that you came into this market? What's the big, you know, world problem that your founders wanted to solve or you want to solve or whoever it is, right? So I think that's the, that's definitely it. We'll put that in as fundamental 2B. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> know who you, who you are not. Yeah, so anyway. You, you know me. I love the five effing fundamentals. I know. <laughs> and we're not going to make six. You always beat me up when I come up with six or seven. Um, or four even. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we got know the why, uh, know mm. who you are or who they are, the mm. audience and what yeah. they want, know how to be useful and know why you. So mm. what, what makes you different, unique, the best at yeah. doing this? Yeah. So what is our last number fifth fundamental content? The market? fifth one is you can't, you, you, there's no longer the uh, concept that build it and they will come, right? Build it and they probably won't come. You need to invest in marketing your content marketing and you need to be here for the long haul so i couldn't decide whether the fifth was be patient or whether the fifth was <laughs> you know market your content marketing because 
it's gonna it's a bit like brand but a little bit shorter term than that is that you are building something and it's not going to necessarily deliver a, an immediate return q1 but it will be coming through in sort of within q4 or a year or 18 months it's going to take a while for this to sort of really start to resonate and you're going to have to repeat yourself quite a lot in order for the market to understand um that, that this is who you are and what you're about so i say number five is invest in marketing your content marketing so you need to promote it to the audience and you and unfortunately now you know all, social organic reach is much harder if not impossible you're going to need to pay to to play these days and you need to and you need to commit that budget but also you're going to need to commit the time so the budget that you're going to need to put together for content marketing strategy is not just going to be oh i need a bunch of copywriters i need some great ideas and some people you're going to need to invest advertising budget in this as well because you're going to build a content brand right it's a it's another brand you're building plus you know investing the right amount of time for your team to make sure this works great this is uh <laughs> this is to quote you know a, a popular movie about baseball in the united states you know this is the if you build it they will come it, it just doesn't work uh <laughs> in content marketing and, and i you know a, a client i've been working with uh recently i mean i I've, I've been helping post lots of content sharing on linkedin yeah um but it it really you know, once I started getting the rest of the the company to help start sharing yeah. and pushing to their, you yeah. know, the people they know and their prospects. So we're not paying for anything yet, but that is, that's definitely the next step because um, it's, it's hard. Oh it's hard, God. particularly when you're in markets where there are a lot of players that do, you yeah, know, yeah. roughly the same thing and yeah. you're, you're relying on keywords and things that everybody uses uh it's uh well it you got be, uh, to your point there you you've already got a tribe right and your tribe are the people that work for you but also uh your, your existing customers right so that's your starting point for the tr- for, for your audience and so if you need to make sure that what you're creating they they will share right and they will like and they and they will promote and then it will get outside of of, of that that four walls yeah sure. yeah yeah Good advice. Thank so you. So we our, our our five fundamentals of content marketing. Oh, the other thing I was going to say about that is that <laughs> not to not to not to try to go overtime, but it's that this is where you know because in our five fundamentals we kind of separated the telling the story from the campaign part. Mm-hmm. But but the last point is where it actually merges because yeah, yeah. you're not really doing content marketing purely on a silo for the sake of content marketing. You're doing it because that should be informing. Yeah. everything about your campaigning your enablement of sales your tools Absolutely. it's 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 a it it's really building a broader yeah. uh and larger story than um than just we're putting content together that hopefully people will read yeah and hopefully that's what's come across because content marketing is more than just having a content studio that 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 builds shiny things uh, f- that supports the rest of the marketing team or sales it is a strategy right is is yep. understanding that this is a strategy Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have the know your why. Yep. Uh, know who your audience is and what they want. That's number two. Number three is be useful for mm-hmm. them. Um, know why you. So when you're communicating and being useful, <laughs> you're actually helping reinforce who you are as a company and why people yeah. should be working with you. And then lastly, invest in your content marketing so somebody might actually mm-hmm. find it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So our last item mm-hmm. uh is uh, the song yes. and i am again as in turning the turntable over to you i'm going to say <laughs> what are we going with <laughs> oh man we normally agree this beforehand right so um i had three options um the things we could share by groove armada because it's a it, they have a line in their direct connection between my love and inspiration which i think is a nice thing about um about content marketing and then I was thinking Howling for You by the Black Keys, but that's just simply because I want to get the Black Keys on the show. And I just think that content marketing, we're howling for you. But I think I'm going to settle on Khalees and Milkshake from 2003 um, because our content marketing brings all the boys and the girls to your yard. <laughs> <laughs> and I noted when I was checking these things out that this was not available on YouTube in the US. Oh. So I was like, oh my gosh, is that because 
That's shocking. I didn't know that. It's the content. No, it isn't. That's uh, not that salacious. No. Okay. I'll find. Good. We can share it with our listeners. And well, obviously, you can play it. And <laughs> well, people to, will hear it. Yeah. Well, when I do the show notes, I'll have to find a version that I can share. Maybe it'll be a link to Spotify or something. But yeah, I'll check that out. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, I enjoyed uh, being the interviewer rather than the interview. And happy to do that anytime you want to turn the tables over to me. Thanks, Jeff. And, okay, but we're, uh, we haven't decided on our topic for next week. Just to let the listeners, we know haven't in on our little secret, but we will know by next week. So, and so, will you be in the studio next week, Jeff? Yes, will you? Yes, I will. I'll see you then. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, "It's better than yours, damn right. It's better than yours. I could teach you, but I have to charge." My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, and they're like, "It's better than yours, damn right." Thank you, Jeff. That was a little shot of Milkshake by Khalees from 2003. I just scratched the surface of content marketing there. What do you think? If it's a topic you'd like us to dive into, give us a shout. You know where to find us. Right, time to go backstage with my guest, Sarah Kimmel, VP of Research at Simpler Media Group, in part two of our dive into CMSY's State of CMO report. If you missed last week's show, Sarah has over 20 years of experience in original research across a broad range of topics and leads the CMSY Insights and reworked Insights Research, covering a wide range of topics, including customer experience, marketing, leadership, employee experience, and modern HR leadership. As I referred to with Jeff, I'm a big fan of using research in our content marketing. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back, Sarah, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm doing great, Ian. Happy to be here again. Yes. No, it's a pleasure to have you back and because I love this topic of what we're going to talk about. So for people that didn't listen to last week's show, can you reintroduce yourself? What is it that you do? I am the vice president of research at Simpler Media Group, um, and I've been here for the last three years. And Simpler Media Group is a media, events, and research business with two public brands, CMS Wire and Reworked. So CMS Wire is focused on customer experience, and Reworked is focused on employee experience. And both of them have a focus on the digital experience. Yeah, I love it. And as I mentioned last week, I've been a contributor, and I think a few of my listeners and fan I won't call them fans, their listeners are also contributors to your <laughs> publication as well. So you are family, I think, as part of our Rockstar CMO um, family, I guess, band, fan base. I don't know. Clan. Anyway, so, <laughs> clan, I like that, or tribe. Yeah, I love that. Thank you very much. What I didn't ask last week, and I always ask everybody, is where am I speaking to you from? I, I am in Chicago. Oh, beautiful. The Windy City. Lovely. Right. It's beautiful here. We're in early spring, just starting to plant everything and the trees are starting to bud. It's wonderful. Yeah. And you've, and we're we're actually fascinated. Sorry, I say we, it's me really. I'm obsessed with the weather (laughs) and I'm always asking everybody about the weather on this show. And it's a beautiful blue sky day here as well in in the UK. So we've done the first couple of bits of the agenda and, and we've reintroduced it. Now, when you were on last week, we recognized that this report that you've produced, which is called the State of CMO Insights from the 2023 Annual Chief Marketing Officer Survey. Um, something just fell out of my ear there. Sorry about that. Um, uh, was was I, I enjoyed it and I knew that it was going to take more than 20 minutes to cover the whole thing. So you agreed to come back. Thank you very much. It's a 50 page report. And it offers 10 key takeaways. But what I thought, well, what we thought is really more your idea because you've done the work, is what were your top seven? So should we dive straight into what your top seven are? Absolutely. Let's get going. Right. So um, the first finding that we found Mm -hmm. uh, um, from the survey is we were looking at skills, the Mm -hmm. skills that CMOs think are critical for their role. And yes. the this was the absolutely the hands down the biggest surprise in the mm-hmm. data was um, that creative thinking was the top skill for marketing leaders. This is how they think about what's important to their own role. Um, right. And it was by 22 percentage points, far wow. and away uh, um, above all of the other skills um, right. that we asked about on the survey. And um, so more than half 
of marketing leaders say that creative thinking is an essential competency for the role. And mm-hmm. the the next you know answers uh, uh, below that are just you know strategic management, leadership skills, executive leadership, the kinds of things you would expect um, at, at such lofty heights. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes down to it, and this didn't ma- it didn't matter when we cut it by org size, we cut it by um, uh, uh, all of these different variables, we went, you know, slicing and dicing to see like, oh, which ones of them think that they're the most creative? Yeah. And it was all, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was no, there was no difference when it, for all that you hear uh, about marketing being very, very measurement focused, very analytic focused, very technology focused. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, um, marketing leaders think of themselves as creative problem solvers. Right. I like right? that. They, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And th- do you think they see that, one of the things I was interested in is it is it what they see in themselves or do they see that in their team or do they see that in the craft as a whole? So themselves, their team, all marketers need to have these skills. Is that what was coming across? I, I think that specifically what we were asking them about was what are the critical competencies right. for your role, like for yeah. success, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so so in, in that way, they're, they're thinking about like, what do I really need to do yeah. my job? Right. And it's I've got to think creatively. I've got to be able to solve these problems. I, I have to be able to do this yeah. um, and to have that be more than the technology or more than you know everything else <laughs> yeah. was was the big surprise. It's not that te- the technology and those skills aren't important. They absolutely are. Yeah. Um, but but when it comes to like their kind of their identity, mm. their identity, they think of themselves as creatives. Yeah, no, I like I like that. And as you were saying, I think um only 28% thought leadership skills is important, which is which is interesting because you think for a top job that would be quite quite a high high ranking one. Right. All well, right, they're uh, kind of choosing. They're kind of choosing, you know, between between yeah, a, a yeah. long list of potential skills. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's our first one. I bet we better crack on. What's your second one? The second one is we asked about how the role of the marketing leader was changing, mm-hmm. um, and. Over a third of them had uh, kind of a, a a bunch of things, a bunch of things that they said were changing for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot more increased uh, cross-functional partnership with sales mm-hmm. for the role uh, of the marketer. There's a lot more pressure to improve the customer experience. Um, yeah. uh, there, it does involve more robust data strategies. Um, and interestingly enough, about a third of them say that they have been tasked with digital transformation. Yeah. Um, that, that yeah. you know, that's that's an ask um, that's been put onto them from the organization. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, no big surprises there. No. Um, but, it you know, it's nice to like, yes, to kind of confirm. Yeah, these are the ways that the role is really changing. We weren't, you know, hallucinating. This was true. <laughs> um, I, what I thought was interesting was this idea that, that the role was changing and required an increased cross-functional partnership with sales. Like, what the fuck have we been doing all this time? <laughs> Sorry to swear, but it's like, it's like, how, we... I mean, if you're not thinking that marketing should be partnered with sales right. from day one, is incredible. Oh, they're making me talk to these salespeople. What the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> I like that. Anything else out of that particular nugget that you found interesting? Right. What that? I can what I can tell you from like 20 years of doing research in a corporate environment yeah. is that um, however much you think that people should be more advanced than they are, they're yeah. not. They're always <laughs> a lot further. You hear anecdotally about all these cool things that people are yeah. doing, and yeah. it makes you think that oh we're a lot we're much more sophisticated now but the truth is that we usually aren't um we're usually the vast majority of people are usually paying catch up and what you're hearing about are the early adopters yeah um, for a lot of technology for sure and particularly where you're talking about digital transformation it's interesting that in 2023 there's still that conversation happening about digital transformation right and that it's falling into marketing probably because we've been on the forefront of having to be digitally transformed for, for some time, right? So we've got the skills within our teams to help other other units help them with their digital transformation. Right. It's really interesting. I mean, what I find fascinating about the MarTech stack is that, is, is that it just continues to grow, you oh, know? Um, Lord, yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, I, I think that on the state of the DCX, we saw that there were 15 tools Yes. That, mar- that that organizations were planning to yeah. adopt in the next year. And then like a third of them. That's crazy. That's yeah, a lot of yeah. tools. See, in that kind of research, um, we're only on your second one. I'm really conscious of time. We got to push <laughs> on. But I think okay. that kind of research is fascinating because you hear so much about the fact there are 10, 12,000 
MarTech tools out there and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's on the supply side. What's interesting on the demand side is the increase, like that everybody has these 15 tools and all that kind of stuff. That's really interesting. We should come back to that another day. But so what's your third? Okay. So we wanted to know how true was it that marketing leaders were actually increasing their technical competencies? I mean, you hear that, right? But is it true? How true is it? Um, Three out of four marketing leaders say that they've had to increase their technical competencies either significantly Mm. or moderately in the past three years. Um, And they don't think they're done either. Um, They uh, upwards of 60% say that there are very specific technical skills that they're looking to increase in the near future. Right. So, um, so that one is like, check the box. That one's absolutely true. Um, and, uh, are technical advances in marketing, um, and marketing management likely to continue? And the answer there is also true. And here's where it gets super interesting. Um, what's true is that for those who've already implemented a lot of these technologies, they start to see success. And so they actually start implementing more. If you look at who's the most likely to implement more technology, it's the people who've already implemented a lot of technology. Right, right. Right. So success breeds success in this right. area. Um, right. uh, and so a lot more te- uh, technological advancement should be on the way. So that's number four. Yes. So uh, just just to comment on both of those. So those are nicely linked and also linked to the thing we just mentioned. Right. So so marketing leaders need to get more technical. I think there's no surprises there. But I think it's interesting you saying how much effort is going into that. Right. You said that. What was it? Forty percent, 47 percent of of marketers are are having to upskill themselves technically. And that follows this this sort of tsunami you're talking about of, of technology coming into the marketing teams right so you're seeing a lot more a lot more technology coming in but also it's interesting that so if somebody's bought a lot of technology before they're likely to buy more technology again right so that could be interesting statistic there for the marketing technology vendors that are listening to <laughs> right but like you you also tend to think to yourself like oh well there's this leading group and they've they've adopted yeah. all the technologies and it's that yeah. group trailing behind them that's yeah. going to be adopting now and that's not always the case yeah. sometimes it's the leading group adopts technologies and they're like this is great and they yeah. just want more and more of it right um, right now so they're condensed yeah, so it's that, what was it, laggards, and oh, I can't remember the, the model, but there is a model, isn't it, where it sort of humps up and then it trails right. off, in, and the people at the end are never going to adopt more technology. No, that's the Luddites. Luddites, like, yeah. No way. <laughs> so what's your fifth? The fifth is, um, this one was also fun um, mm-hmm. and amused me greatly, uh, but we we were wondering like, oh, just how worried is everybody about the changing privacy regulations yeah, and, yeah. and all of that. And um, the big surprise was that they're not. Yeah. Um, they're not that worried about it. Um, and in fact, more than half of them say that they're only slightly um, or, uh, mm. or not at all concerned um, mm. about changing privacy regulations. And I think um, my interpretation of what's happening here is, um, is that this, it, this is no longer a surprise yes. <laughs> for anyone. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's it's been out there for a while. People have been talking about how they have to fix it and they have to have a, a solution for it. Mm. Um, and this has been going on for some years now. Um, and so you really would have kind of had to have your your, your head stuck yeah. in the sand to like not have been yeah. thinking about this uh, up to this point. So I think that um, for a lot of them, either they've rearranged how they're doing the job or they brought a lot of that uh, mm. third-party data in-house, um, uh, or they've sort of changed the way they're doing personas or something like that. They've mm. done something to address this issue already, that they're yeah. prepared for it, and they're no longer panicking, which yeah. is probably good. Yeah, I mean, as a, you know, with my own role, I would probably reflect on that as well. And I think, you know, where it, I mean, you know, as Europeans, we've probably got a slightly more sensitivity to privacy with GDPR here. I was a CMO of a a German software company. And what I enjoyed about that is actually, if you, if you're, if you're a good steward of data and you have nice clean data, actually you have better engagement, you have a better audience, your, your audience is actually more valuable to you. Um, if you, if you keep everything clean. So I think we're starting to see with marketers, this realization that actually quality trumps quantity. And, um, and I think also we're, we're, there's a lot of conversation about having first party data and a lot more focus on on that which i think is good for the consumer because i think we're making more of an effort to get to know people you know and and keep them on board yeah Yeah, it's also not gone unnoticed that customers appreciate it 
when when you you know have an eye uh toward their their the privacy of their data yeah you know you get some mileage out of that yeah oh absolutely absolutely and i think there's a flip side to that and i don't i i I, i'm guessing this goes beyond your um your research you've done here is i think as well is once you give some once you give some of your data to somebody you expect them to use it so don't keep asking me for the same data over and over again you've asked it therefore you should be tailoring the experience towards me so i think i think that's probably what we're seeing as a as a as a, a, a tribe of cmos we're seeing some of that seeing some of that benefit so that's your fifth um which was no surprise so what was number six number six is um we were interested in where cmos thought they might be going after being cmos mm-hmm. you know um whether or not they looked at the role of the cmo as a terminal career role for them right. or whether or not they they saw it as a stepping stone um mm-hmm. on the way to some some other you know great heights of careerness mm-hmm. um and what we discovered is that it depends Mm-hmm. Um, and what it depends on is whether or not you are working at a very large um, organization. If you are a CMO at a very large brand or a very large organization, you're pretty happy with your life. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you probably you don't you, you have no plans to, to change that. You, you would like to stay yeah. a CMO. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but if you are uh, you know, a CMO or a marketing leader at a smaller um, organization, then you're probably looking to to do something else. Like that's probably not the end of your career. Um, you may mm. be headed toward a larger brand. You may be headed into consulting. Um, you know, you may be headed uh, into some other area of the business, like operations mm. or or sales or something like that. Um, but uh, we did find a statistically significant difference um, uh, in that right. the sort of happiness of, of marketing <laughs> leaders at larger and smaller companies that was pretty interesting was it was it because i like the way you describe this as a terminal role which is kind of <laughs> i would not reflect happily on that what so it, it was it happiness in the role or the or the realization that they they reached the summit and there's pretty much nothing left i mean was that one was or that, the one or the other yeah yeah one or yeah, the other. yeah. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And was it? There were, and you said there that um, the smaller CMOs—they're looking for other roles, or they're looking for be bigger CMOs. What was your? Did, did anything well, like that come through the research? Both. Like either they're looking for a, a you know a role at a larger as a CMO at a larger organization, or or they're mm-hmm. looking to like leave marketing and and head oh, wow. into you know another executive role somewhere else um, in in, yeah. in another department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I have seen is a lot of people like become freelancers or advisors and that kind of thing as well. From, Consultants, from that. absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's yeah. the ultimate career path of every executive. <laughs> 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 All right. So we can I mean, I I don't know whether you put these in an order for yourself. Whether one is the most surprising, we're working our way through them. But um, what's your seventh and last one you're going to share with us today? My very last one, and this this was I, I absolutely had to know because you you hear nothing but this um, is that <laughs> is that marketers are are under this demand from their leadership that they have an ROI for absolutely every every dollar that they spend, every bit of money that they spend on marketing has to be accounted for somehow with an ROI. Like that was that's what you hear. I wanted to know how true that was, um, and what we found is that fifty nine percent of marketing leaders say that their leadership always expects quantifiable results. There's a bit of nuance here, though, because 41% say that their leadership accepts that not all results can be measured um, uh, and that that there's a little bit of squish there. Um, As a social scientist, I find that a little bit heartening because some things literally (laughs) cannot be measured or they're just a little bit too soft um, for that. Um, you find that enlightening. I, you, you find that. You imagine being a marketer, how enlightening it is to feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. But I mean, so so the, the results here are kind of mixed. I mean, it is mm. mostly true that marketers are under this expectation um, that what they do will have quantifiable results. You know, right. whether or not that's a good thing um, is kind of open for debate. Yeah. And say. did you see the sort of metrics that um, the marketers, uh, did they report on the sorts of things they were being asked to report on? Right. So um, there are a bunch, but the most common are, are CSAT um, mm-hmm. and Net Promoter Score are the ones that are used the most yeah. commonly. I, what yeah. I can tell you is those two are the most are the easiest 
to yeah, yeah. um to gather to track to get from here i mean so yeah. it's it's kind of low-hanging fruit they're they're doing what they can probably in a lot of uh, places in order to to yeah. have that justifiable data um yeah. you know that that shows the impact but those are um fairly soft measures when mm. it comes down to it uh you know if you're well, looking at what, the impact of a very specific campaign yeah, and you're absolutely, I mean, MPS, I mean, it's back to your point earlier on about the fact that marketing is taking, I think, what was that last week, about the role that's that we're taking from marketing in terms of customer experience and becoming the champion of the customer at the C-suite. Um, so if you're going to be judged on MPS or CSAT, then the customer is going to be incredibly important to you, isn't it, as, as, a, as a marketer? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So those are your top seven. Is there anything else that you want to, that came out of the research? Probably got a minute or two that you think that's that I've got to share this with the Rockstar CMO uh, listeners. Mm. Um, <laughs> I I will say that um, the one thing that we saw in the comments that really uh, kind of resonates is how much of a challenge people find it to keep up with the technology changes. Wow, yeah. um, uh, so it's, it's not just, it's not just, oh, I have to learn this platform. It's that yeah. so much is happening so quickly that even understanding what the affordances of all of these mm. platforms, like what can I do with all of these things? Um, mm. and, and of course now AI kind of, you know, um, yeah, exploding, yeah. um, onto the scene, it, it becomes like, it, it's pretty easy to feel overwhelmed. Um, mm -hmm. by, by trying to figure out how all of this is applicable to your role and how much of it you should be using and for what. Um, so there was a lot of that kind of, you know, um, uh, that feeling of like kind of being adrift um, mm -hmm. in the yeah, midst of all yeah. of the technology change yeah, um, uh, and not quite knowing exactly what you should be doing about it that, mm -hmm. that, is, um, that definitely came through in what, in what yeah. people were saying. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Sarah. A fascinating report and really great that you came on the show and, and shared it with me. And we, we got to dive into the detail a bit on that. And I would encourage everybody to pick it up. Um, I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Uh, remind me where people can find it. They can find this at cmswire.com slash state of CMO. I love it. And when where can people find you when they spin the dial on the interwebs? They can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the easiest place to find me. You can find me under Sarah Kimmel. Uh, just search for SMG. Splendid and uh, fascinating work. Love what you do over at CMSWire and, and Simply Media Group. I, I shall retain a fan. I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you very much, Ian. My pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. That was splendid. And I will, of course, include links to Sarah, the report and CMSY in the show notes. Right. That's time we to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker of the content advisory for Cocktail. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. And oh, my gosh. What, what, <laughs> what is going on here? It is... I mean, this is just crazy. I knew you were a fan of curry. Mm -hmm. I really did. Yes. I knew you were a fan of curry, but I did not think that you would turn this into literally Mumbai. Um, <laughs> there is so much the traffic, the noise, the sounds, the music. Oh, my gosh, the Indian music. is uh -huh. The smells in here. You have truly transformed this into a street market in the middle of Mumbai. Oh. So I, I, I once again applaud your ability to redecorate the joint. Yes, well, as a, as, a, as a British person, we love a good curry house. And I thought, I'd go all in. Why not bring the yeah, whole of Mumbai? Yeah, you leaned into it, that's for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. There's the band, and then there's the people yelling around, and you've got extras running through the bar. And, you know, <laughs> it's like a movie set in here, yeah. Uh, at least you can say anything. Look, that. <laughs> yeah. Splendid, thank you. <laughs> Um, and um, yes, well, welcome to welcome to my little Indian bazaar and, and this wonderful curry that we're having. So, what are we going to be drinking with this? Uh, we are actually going to drink something that is not Indian at all, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is a—it's called the South Side. Oh, um, yes, and this is most famously. Mm -hmm. uh, this was from Chicago. Yeah. The drink is uh, originally from Chicago. And it was notably, and apparently, the rumor is that it was the favorite drink of Al Capone. Ooh. Um, so it's a, got a little bit of a gangster uh, thing <laughs> to it. 
And it's kind of falls somewhere between a gimlet and a mojito. Ooh. It's 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 a little bit of both actually. Um, it is like we did last week. It's another gin drink. Um, I like to keep things simple for you with your <laughs> with your the choices you have in your desktop bar here. You like to keep things simple but apart it, from having an Indian bazaar in my bar. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, but I make it a little differently, uh-huh. as you might expect yep. from many of the bars here. Um, which is uh, so it's ju- it's just basically two parts of gin, mm-hmm. so two ounces of gin in in, in one. And then, of course, most bars will put in a simple syrup to sweeten things up. Um, uh, I don't, of course, like simple syrup because it's more sugars than 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 I would yep. normally like. So you can sweeten it any way you want. Mm-hmm. One thing I find is really nice is honey. Ooh. If you can find a little honey, yeah. um, that becomes really lovely. And it's you know you have to sort of work with the honey to yeah. to get it dissolved and all of that so a little uh, a little gin and then of course a little honey and then some fresh squeezed lime juice and then mint leaves you know pinch the mint leaves and swirl them around in the glass so that you get that minty taste and it's just an absolutely spectacular cocktail lime juice and mint yeah i can see what you're saying about it being similar to a gimlet and similar to a mojito that sounds fantastic i'm definitely going to try that but what I'm going to try right now is I'm going to try and make that very drink using only the ingredients of my desktop bar. So um, fortunately, I do have some gin. I've got um, some Hendrix gin, as usual, Ooh, at, uh, this week. Um, and is this a shaken drink or a regular? Oh. Uh, yeah, well, it, you probably need to with the honey and yeah. everything because, you know, normally you could just put in the ingredients and, yeah. and, and go, but... Uh, it's because of the honey and whatnot, you probably do need to shake it and the mint and all that. Oh, okay. Or muddle it. Muddle Muddling. it if you want. Oh, we do like a little muddle on this show. Yes, yeah, well, I've, I've put in some gin and I've put in some ice. And uh, I'm going to go with, because everybody knows that uh, mint, lime juice and simple syrup or honey, uh, the, best, um, the best equivalent of that is, of course, fever tree cucumber tonic, which I shall be slinging into this gin. Ooh. And uh, give that a sip. Oh, you can hear it fizzing. That's rather nice, isn't it? Rather nice sound effect. Mmm. That is delicious, Robert. What are we calling these? Uh, well, we're going to call that the South Side based on the, the classic cocktail. And maybe it's a honey South Side if we, uh, if we change up the, the sweetener from a simple syrup to something it. like honey. I used to drink in a pub called South Siders when I first lived in America and uh, drank an awful lot of Guinness. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was in. There uh, it is. That was, where was that? That was in Virginia. So that wasn't anywhere near Chicago. But um, so the l- lovely memory there. Thank you, Robert. Um, so when we are drinking these fabulous drinks, uh, where are we going to be taking these? Well, I think we should probably head to Chicago. Um, my this is my favorite time of year, sort of late mm-hmm. May, uh, early June to to visit Chicago because it's the perfect weather in Chicago usually, um, and so we could sit along the river there. Um, and maybe in some, you know, sort of, eh, they don't really have a lot of dive bars, I would say, <laughs> across the across that river. But there are some lovely places uh-huh. to sit uh, and have a drink right on the river, watch the sunset, Love do that. all of that in the beautiful architecture of Chicago, and sit these and pretend we're pretend we're gangsters. <laughs> well, you from LA, mate? I think that'd be quite quite uh, quite good. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in Chicago. I do like that city. Very nice. So uh, whilst we're pretending to be gangsters and doing our best, uh, we were doing Sean Connery impersonations last week. We're going to do Al, Cap- ah, Al Capone impersonations this week. Um, what would our conversation turn to? Well, we're going to talk a little bit. I know it's going to be very shocking to you, <laughs> but AI. Oh, we should probably talk a little bit more about should, AI. For sure. Yeah, somebody should, because really no one's talking enough uh-uh. about this. Um, there's an, it, but I, I, I have something very, uh, I don't know, I don't know. It's observational mm-hmm. for me. Um, so this week, uh, Google uh, did its, or not? Well, it's it was uh, last yes. week, but they've they've announced it um, at their I/O conference, mm-hmm. right? And basically. They announced that they're going to change search results, um, and they're going to change search results to be to sort of I don't know what you want to say copy Bing or you know or just basically they're going to at some point 
really evolution uh, there evolve, I should say, their their search results to include AI generated mm-hmm. results, and the world freaked out. Right. So over the last couple of weeks since they announced this, you've seen every article from this is going to kill us. This is, you know, this is the apocalypse is coming. The, you know, all of the content people and marketing people are there's a lot of media outlets that are really freaking out. And of course, that's annoying (laughs) um, because um, but here's the thing. There's a. There, there is something that we can do, and there is something that we should be thinking about. It's, but it's not the knee-jerk reaction um, that uh, that we should that we should be worried about. But basically, it makes me think of. Do so you ever see the movie? There was a movie. Uh, there was a movie where uh, it's a very quiet movie. You probably didn't see it, but not many people saw it. About twelve years ago, eh, ten years ago, um, and it had Morgan Freeman in it, uh, called "The Magic of Bell oh, Isle." Wow, you know nice. No, sounds great. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay. Like it's Rob Reiner directed it and it's, it's, yeah. it's nice. It's a very sweet movie. Um, and basically Morgan Freeman plays this novelist and he's lost his passion for writing. So he goes to visit this small town of Belle Isle, um, it, which is an Island obviously in, in a very small town. And he begrudgingly befriends a community. You know, he's a grumpy <laughs> guy, right? He's a grumpy, grumpy writer, um, classic yeah. grumpy writer. And he befriends this single mother and her three daughters, and each of them, in their own way, starts to help him find his inspiration to write again. Mm-hmm. That's basically the movie. But, but the middle one, the way that she inspires him, as it turns out, becomes because she asks him to help her right. be a writer, a content creator, and he repeatedly, he you know, begrudgingly says, "Oh, I'll teach you, I'll teach you," and whatever, and he keeps asking her, "What's out there that you yeah. don't see?" And she doesn't really understand that. And she keeps asking him what that means and how that really works. And he keeps saying, what do you not see? Like, what what's not there? And that really got me thinking with this idea of AI and content and where search is right now. Because when we look at the thing, so they demoed this search, right? Googled mm-hmm. it at this event. And when they when they Googled it, they basically came back with this, you know, very classic now generative AI answer. Like what they asked was, hey, which national park uh, should I go to if I have th- three kids and a dog? And so we go to National Park uh, with the Arches National Park or Bryce Canyon. And so Arches National Park here in the West and Bryce Canyon in Utah, um, basically both of them wonderful big national parks here in the U.S. And the answer that came back from AI was like at its surface, very impressive, yeah. right? It, it, you know, it says, well, if you like this, you like that. If you like this, you like that. If you like this and you, and it, that, and that's what basically the media was reacting to. It was like, <laughs> Oh my God, the, the world's coming to an end. You can now answer the question. It does. We don't have to go to our mm-hmm. websites anymore. But the problem was, is if you actually read the answer, because if you look at the answer, it doesn't answer the question. Interestingly enough, it's now this classic sort of generative AI answer, which seems impressive at its surface. Lots of adjectives, very clearly logical in response, you know, structure very well, but kind of like value. Mm -hmm. No, not much. And the reason that it doesn't have a lot of value is because it doesn't actually answer the question, the distinction between the two national parks. What it basically says is either of them are good for both. Um, and, and, but the reason it says either of them are good for both is because of what's not there. In other words, for example, they talk about the dogs, right? They talk about the idea of, of the, you know, which, okay. which park would be better for dogs. And it basically says both of them don't allow dogs. And so that's the way it answers the question. Both of them don't allow dogs. Uh, it does make a distinction and one of them says, well, this Bryce Canyon actually has paved roads where you can take dogs. But if you actually go look at their websites, they both right. their policies are exactly the same. Dogs are only allowed on paved roads. It's just that Bryce Canyon, a couple of their trails often, you know, are part of the paved road. So mm-hmm. they're considered part of mm-hmm. the paved road and you can take a dog on it. In other words, yeah. the answer is nothing. It's very impressive to see, but it's not the and so then you go, "Okay, great. What what's not there?" Right? What's not there? Well, the, what's not there in the search result is the distinction, the answer to the question mm-hmm. that was actually asked. And it got me thinking about 
our content and our content strategy because we can't know right now what's all going to happen. We, we just don't know with AI and search and generative content about the way it's going to evolve. But what we can know is that what we're probably not addressing is what's not there in our content. And what I mean by that is, interestingly, as I went through their websites, that's a question you could very easily see a parent or someone asking of these national parks. And when you go to their websites, the pages, everything is about the policy on dogs, right? Dog can't do this. You can't do this with dogs. You can't do that with dogs. Dogs aren't allowed here. Dogs can't do this. There's no page or even a paragraph that says, but if you want the most awesome experience for your dog, this is the way you should do it, right? Which is what's not there. That's the thing that's not there. So when we look at our content, our website, our blog, our, you know, all of our things, we should start asking ourselves, what's not there that will help an audience member ask and draw distinctions or ultimately AI that will help draw those distinctions. In other words, if we look, we talk a lot about the greatness of our product and how awesome our industry is and how forward leaning we are. But what's not there? Mm. Who are we not for? Who, where are the weaknesses in our industry? Where are the future challenges that you'll have if you use this product? What are the, what are the things that aren't being talked about that we could talk about to help our audiences draw distinction there? And I think that's an important lesson we can take out of the, AI conversation, whether or not it actually becomes part of AI or not, I don't know. But for how people access content today, I think it can be extraordinarily valuable. Yeah, I love that. And I love the, because I I think that um, we've talked a lot about how, um, how AI can create this banal, you know, transactional content that, and it is perfectly functional in certain situations, which are quite dull. And, but it, and it, and all it's doing is, is repeating what's come from the past. So it's taken those two particular data points, right? Those two websites and reflected accurately this obsession with what dogs can't do, right? Yeah. And I I think that's a really interesting point of view because if you're going to, I mean, as you know, and we both are predominantly B2B, if if you think about what customer pains have and what their journey is to purchase, very little of that is going to be about the features and functions of your product and yet what dominates a b2b website the features and functions of the product right so i think that's interesting i think that's really interesting about thinking about what's not there with all of our web um with all of our communication our web properties right i think that's the point you're making right yeah it is indeed (laughs) you know it's it's indeed it's to talk about the things that you know we often you know we we look at our content and we think so here's the and you've heard me say this before right which is the uh you know the the, the classic and it, mm. it gets easy to distinct, to to sort of mistake this for the deprioritized FAQ yeah, right yeah. in other words it's easy to see what's not there as some sort of question about that which just hasn't been answered yet yeah. in other words if i'm a content marketer and i'm you know trying to be educational about a working farm yeah. and I'm trying to attract students and teachers, et cetera. So I get this FAQ page and I look out the window and I look at the farm. <laughs> I see a farmhouse and a field and horses and chickens. Right. Mm. And so as I make the FAQ, I start listing some questions. When do the animals get fed? How often do the chickens lay eggs? What kind of crops are planted in that field? Mm. But that list of questions doesn't get into what's not there. Why aren't there cows there? Right. Why doesn't this farm grow corn? Mm. explaining what's missing can sometimes be just as important as explaining yeah, what exists. You know, and um, the other thing is I'm thinking about the process by which um, we tend to build our, our content and we tend to look at our competitors and our peers and all of them. And so that means that we, we don't, we're all looking in the same direction, doing exactly the same process as, as you just described, which is, you know, I can see the chicken coop. I'm going to describe the chicken poop coop. But, um, you know, and as and that would be the same for all your competitors. But if you can describe what's beyond that and what's not there, that sounds like a differentiation. It could be. Yeah, it, yeah. Could, it could very well be a differentiator. Yeah. And certainly it will be a distinction that you can make, you know, and, and honestly, in some cases, it may in the it may short circuit something that may have been a confusion. Yeah. Right. There, I remember a long time ago, we used to talk about how 
saying who we weren't for yes. uh, in, in marketing yeah, was yeah. not necessarily a good thing because it might cut, you know, the salespeople hated mm-hmm. it because it might cut down on the number of leads, right? People will go, well, that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm, and, and But what you're actually doing is you're saving time, yeah, right? You're saving your... It by you know that person was never going to buy anyway, even if they believed your product was for them. Yeah. Um, and so, or if they bought, even if you took them all the way through purchase, they weren't going to stay, or they weren't going to be loyal because ultimately, it's not your them. product is wrong yeah, for them. Yeah. And and so, short circuiting that is actually a good thing mm. um, if you can if you can do it right. You know, because for example, with the park example, one of them may decide. We don't want dogs here at all. (laughs) Full stop. Right. And so they can just be really clear about that and say, you know, here's the policy on dogs. And by the way, there are no good things. This is not the right, this is not the right park for you. If you have a dog, you should go somewhere else. And that would be more distinctive and would have enabled the AI to theoretically deliver a better answer. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Although I do think that would be quite limiting if, because I think being anti-dogs is, 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 is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm not suggesting they should be anti-dog. I'm just suggesting that if they are, that was a, that's a decision they could have made. I can already see the uh, irate um, comment section, which compares them to Hitler. But there you go. <laughs> right. And I'm not a dog person. Right. I just know how that conversation could go. Um, I yes. love that. I love and this week, Robert. I love that topic, and I could really dig into that. And I think it's really inspirational. So, if I were to want to be inspired, and I was looking for a website that provide that, where would I? find that Robert? well you can find it our little hovel on the web which of course is contentadvisory.net splendid and when i spin the dial on the interwebs where are we going to find you you will find me on linkedin mostly these days sort of doubling down on that social <laughs> channel splendid and um most important to me as i remember my script and i seem to have done it seamlessly will i find you in the bar next week you will, and I'm hopeful <laughs> for a, a, a good round of curry if we, if we here. Yeah, this is good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love a curry, and I'm glad I brought it into the bar this week. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Thank you, Robert. We had a little Experience Advisors meetup this week, which was fun. I recommend you take a look at experienceadvisors.io, and maybe you'd like to join us. So that's a wrap on episode 168 of the Rockstar CMO Epping Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Sarah and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Please let us know what you think. I'm loving the comments and reviews you've been posting on Apple Podcasts or you can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, normal service will resume with Jeff in the hot seat in the studio. I go backstage with Connor Altier, global brand strategy lead at Reebok. And Robert, we black in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO F. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.